But at RUF, we believe that you're never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And at the same time, you're never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. Uh, and I will say that every week um, until the Lord Jesus comes back, because I think it's very, very important. Um, because God's grace, his kindness to us in Jesus, is the only thing, really, that is a sure foundation to build your life on. Um, anything else is going to fade. That's the only thing that is a sure foundation for your life. Uh, in this semester, um, we've been going through the Apostles' Creed in a series called uh, A Better Story. And so our kind of theme has been that the Apostles' Creed, which is kind of a spark notes of the Christian faith, uh, tells a better story, one that accounts for our glory and our shame, uh, one that enables us to live with resilience in the present, and one that gives us a sure hope for the future. So if you remember a couple weeks ago before we did game night, which was awesome, by the way, uh, we talked about what theologians refer to as the humiliation of Christ. So Christ's suffering, death, and burial, and then continuing under the power of death for a time. Uh, but this week we're going to talk about Christ's exaltation. So we're going to talk about what does it mean uh, that Jesus rose from the dead? What does it mean that he ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father? And we're going to do that through uh, the Ephesians passage that Joel just read. Um, so this is the first chapter of the letter to the Ephesians. Uh, the Apostle Paul would often write letters to early churches and he would usually begin with kind of like a thanksgiving and a prayer. And so this is a little bit kind of the tail end of the thanksgiving moving into the prayer. And in this time of prayer, the Apostle Paul, to encourage these Christians, he talks a lot about the resurrection. And so as we just consider this passage, I just want to ask, like, what does the resurrection of Jesus mean? What does it mean? What does believing in the, re the resurrection of Jesus do for us? Um, I'm also going to pause before I start because I realize I forgot to say something. Doing something different, I'm going to be talking a little less tonight, which I know that everyone is so sad about. I'm going to talk a little less tonight, and we're going to do small groups at the end of this, okay? So it's going to be shorter talk. We're going to do about 10 minutes of small group discussion, okay? Wanted to put that on your radar. I should have said that at the beginning. So back to what we're talking about, okay? What does the resurrection of Jesus mean? What should believing in the resurrection of Jesus give us? Um, just got two short points for us. Uh, believing in the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope that death can't destroy, and it gives us power that overcomes decay. So hope that death can't destroy and power that overcomes decay. So first, hope that death can't destroy. Uh, so as I said, Paul is praying for the Ephesian church here. Uh, and I just want to kind of focus in on something that he says in verse 18. He prays and says uh, to his audience, he, he's praying that they may know the hope to which God has called them. Paul prays that they may know the hope that God has called them to. Uh, what, what comes to mind when you think about hope? Um, for me, like the first thing is that line, it's the hope that kills you from Ted Lasso, uh, but could also be applied to being a Husker fan, right? Like it's the idea that we, at the beginning of every season, we get really, really excited that things are going to be different this time. Things are going to be different. We're going to win. We're going to be amazing. And then inevitably our hopes are crushed, right? So it's this idea of just like this internal feeling that things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. Uh, and Paul, when he's talking about hope here, that's not what he's referring to. He's not referring to kind of that internal feeling that we have that things are going to get better. He's talking about something concrete. Uh, Paul is referring to Jesus' resurrection as our hope. He's referring to a concrete thing that happened in history. So he is asking these people uh, to, to focus their hope on something that happened to Jesus and that one day will happen to them. Uh, elsewhere in scripture, Paul says, 
Uh, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So this is the Christian hope, that that not only does Jesus' death mean something for us, that his resurrection, his being raised to new life, means something for us, that we're going to be united with him. Uh, And this is not a hope that is kind of like sidestepping death. Uh, The Christian hope is not that you won't die. You will die. 100% of us in this room will die. The Christian hope is that there is life beyond death. It's not sidestepping suffering. It's going through it. It's finding hope on the other side of it. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a theologian during, uh, he's a German theologian, kind of during the rise of Hitler. Uh, He was actually um, killed by um, Hitler's regime. But he was talking about the resurrection and said this. He says, Easter is not about immortality, but about resurrection from a death that is a real death with all its frightfulness and horrors. Resurrection from a death of the whole person. Resurrection by the power of God's mighty act. This is the Easter message. So it's not that somehow suffering isn't real, or it's not that it's not painful. It's that through suffering, there is resurrection. That Jesus himself was raised from the dead. He actually died and then actually walked out of the grave. That's the Christian hope. So the resurrection, it gives us a hope that it's death-proof because death can't take it away because Jesus walked out of a grave and when we're united with him, we're promised the same thing's going to happen to us. So what, what kind of space is this supposed to occupy in our lives? Like how does this function, this sort of resurrection hope? Um, many of you know that I'm a big uh, Lord of the Rings fan. Has anybody been watching the, the Rings of Power, by the way, the new Amazon show? I, I really like it. We can nerd out about that. That's not what this is about. But uh, in the show, they actually quoted something from The Return of the King, which is one of my favorite lines in like the entirety of the whole Lord of the Rings thing. But if you're not familiar with it, Sam and Frodo, uh, they're hobbits, they're friends. It's their job basically to save the world. And they are going to destroy the ring uh, at Mount Doom. They have to go through Mordor, which is basically, in like Tolkien's world, it's kind of hell. It's this terrible, terrible place. So there's like no sunlight, everything stinks, everything's dead, there's nowhere to hide, and Frodo is like fading fast, and it's Sam's job basically to try to get him to the end. And Sam is just like completely in despair, he knows that he can't do it. And then in this moment, he looks up and he sees this beautiful star. He sees this beautiful star, and this is the way that Tolkien describes it. He says, the beauty of the star smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land and hope returned to him. For like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. Y'all, that's what the resurrection does for us. It assures us, even though the pain is real, even though we're in the midst of all sorts of death, destruction, our own brokenness, that there is light. There is high beauty that none of this can be touched with. There's high beauty that, that is beyond the reach of pain, beyond the reef of, reach of suffering, abuse, addiction, whatever darkness it is. There is high beauty. The resurrection of Jesus, it means that everything sad will come untrue. Think about the saddest thing in your story. The resurrection means, not that that's not true, but that eventually, somehow, miraculously, it will come untrue through the resurrection of Jesus and through our future resurrection. Okay, so the the resurrection gives us hope that death can't take away. But not only that, um, it gives us power that overcomes decay. Power that overcomes decay. If you would look with me to verse 19. 
So Paul continues to pray, and he prays for his audience that they would know uh, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. So he prays that we might somehow know this, this power of God, the power that is towards us who believe, the immeasurable greatness of his power. And then he goes on to tell the story of Jesus' exaltation. He talks about how Jesus was risen from the dead. He talks about how Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, and it talks about how Jesus is given rule over all things. So it kind of tells this story of how kind of the, the power of the resurrection. But it's not just talking about that power being something that's limited to Jesus. Look back at what Paul says. He says, the greatness of his power toward us who believe. This is a power that is demonstrated in the story of Jesus, but is available toward us who believe. This means that resurrection power, the same thing that happened to Jesus, is not only a future hope, it is a present dynamic. It's something that is available right now to those who believe in Jesus. Paul says it elsewhere like this. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. See, the, the Spirit works resurrection in our lives. We are constantly, not just uh, once in the future, we are constantly in this world where we are putting sin to death, where we are putting that which is worldly in us to death, and we are being raised to new life. This means that a Christian's life, it, it's not marked by really just like being stuck. It's not marked by uh, just constantly never being able to change. It, it's marked by new life. It's marked by resurrection. Uh, think about it this way. So I had a friend uh, in college. He was actually a roommate, um, and he was a lot more, what's up? He was a lot more, uh, like, handy than I was, and he had a, uh, he had the desire to uh, get this Jeep CJ7. Does anyone know what that is? It's a really old Jeep. Looks like a military situation. So he got this Jeep, and he decided that he was going to, like, take it apart and put it back together and, like, completely fix it. And so uh, he starts kind of like taking it apart, and to the dismay of everyone who is living in this house, the Jeep starts taking over the entire house. Um, so, you know, what was once our house uh, has kind of become like an auto zone situation. <laughs> so, uh, you know, packages started arriving from all over the place, people sending like these obscure old Jeep parts to him. Uh, the house started accumulating like oily rags everywhere. There was a distinct like engine oil funk that like kind of permeated everything in the house and on the sunroom i kid you not he was like there was an entire chassis back there that he was just like completely taking apart so it like got to the point where with our house like you could not tell where the jeep ended and where our house began like it was everywhere like if you threw a dart anywhere you were going to hit something jeep in this house okay so it might be a little weird but stick with me here that is what the spirit does inside of us Okay, when you throw a dart anywhere inside of us, you're going you're gonna to land on resurrection. That's what happens when you're a Christian. The spirit of resurrection, it, it, it infiltrates everything in your life. There's no part of your life that, is remain, that remains untouched by the grace of God. There's resurrection everywhere we look. And I think this sounds, this sounds great. Like, it sounds great to be able to change. I don't think that there's anyone who wouldn't want to have, like, new life and vibrancy like associated with him. This sounds great. But the question is, how can we lay hold of this sort of power? 
Like, how can we hold on to this, this power that overcomes decay? A uh, couple suggestions, I think. Um, the first one, I think we just need to be honest about the decay that we see in our lives. Be honest about the decay that we see in our lives. Um, man, I, I've been a Christian for a long time, and so I'm kind of a, a Jedi master at all of the ways that Christians talk. And so when I say this, I'm pointing out this about myself as well. But we just have this tendency when we're talking about what's going on in our lives to present it in this, like, sanitized language, right? Like, we would never say, like, oh, man, I got drunk last night. We would say, like, I got tipsy last night, right? Or, like, we might say, like, oh, man, like, um, you know, I was just looking at something that I shouldn't have been looking at. When, when in reality, it's like you have a full, full-blown, like, porn addiction, right? Like, we have a way of, like, sanitizing things is what we do. Uh, I think an example I've seen of this, have you guys seen the worship song song? It's on YouTube. It's really funny. I would commend it to you. Uh, but it's like, just picture this. There's this like absolutely beautiful like worship song band. Um, it's called like Random Action Verb Worship. So it's a parody. You're allowed to laugh at this. Um, and so there's this this song and they're like singing about it. And then there's this one line. And there's this like super influencer-looking girl who's up there singing, and this is what she says. She says, I'm a rich blonde female singing about how I fail. Things are bad again. I am struggling. I'm a total mess. My life's a train wreck. I'm pure garbage. I need him again. Life's gotten me down. I'm at the end of my rope. Here's an out-of-context Bible verse about hope. Okay, I don't say that just to like make fun of a particular way of doing things, but I, I say that to point out there's like this tendency in us that like we just talk about things in such a like hokey and non-realistic way. Like we don't actually name what's going on inside of us. Like we might say that, you know, so what, like I skip a meal every now and again. When in reality it's like there's a there's a, an idol of control, right? That is borderlining on something that's really bad. We might say, like, okay, so what, I like to drink. But the reality is maybe we're, like, in a place where we have this alcohol dependence. See, we can't open ourselves up to resurrection power until we're honest about the fact that there is decay. That things are worse than we want people to know. But what we do when we're honest about the decay in our life, what we do is that we open the door up for resurrection power. There's no such thing as death that can't be touched by the spirit of resurrection. So we need to be honest about the decay in our lives. And then second, I think, we need to embed ourselves in the resurrected community. We need to embed ourselves in the church. This is not a thing that, that we can do on our own. Like, we can't experience this, like, resurrection life just by ourselves. Uh, we need people who are pointing out the death that they see in our lives, that are pointing out the decay, and reminding us that there is such a, a person, such a God as the spirit of resurrection, that indwells us, that changes us. We need a community that reminds us of that. And I mean, I think of like I, all the churches in town that I know are our partner churches, but if you walk into any of these churches, what you're going to find is that you're going to find that you're called into worship. You're going to find that you, you confess your sin. You confess the decay, the death that you see in your lives. You are assured of the gospel. You are fed with God's word. You partake in the sacraments. You are filled up, and then you are released out. That is a community of resurrection. That's a community that is embodying this story of Jesus, the story of, of death to resurrection. And so we need a community to remind us of what is true. We need people to see the decay and to point us to the spirit of resurrection.
Okay, so I'm just going to wrap it up there. Uh, just a reminder, the resurrection of Jesus, it gives us hope that death can't take away and power that overcomes decay. Um, the resurrection, it enables us to face the decay that we see in ourselves, the decay that we see in the world around us, on campus, and to embody resurrection life. Uh, there's a poet that I like who says, the resurrection turns death into a gardener. Think, what does a gardener do? A gardener plants seeds where new life comes from. That's what the resurrection of Jesus does. Um, are you able to go to the next slide, or do I need to go up and do that? I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I got it. So here's this. Uh... Oh, man. Okay, cool. We're going to go there. All right. So um, this is a quote I just wanted to close with from a guy named John Chrysostom. He's a, a church father, and I think he just summed up uh, the beauty of the resurrection so well. So just wanted to read this. It says, Death, where is your sting? Hell, where is your victory? Christ is risen and you are overthrown. Christ is risen and demons have fallen. Christ is risen and angels rejoice. Christ is risen and life rules. Christ is risen and not one dead remains in the tomb. For Christ, having risen from the dead, has become the first fruits of those that slept. To him be the glory and the dominion forever. Amen. All right, let me pray, and then I'll send us out into our small group time.